Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. We hope that this message will challenge you and encourage you on your journey of faith. If you would like to learn more about Journey Church, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at thejourneychurch.cc. Now enjoy the message. I am going to actually be sitting most of today, you guys. Normally, I don't do this because I normally can't sit still long enough, but I have some type of neck thing going on that's reminding me that I'm 40 now. And so uh, if I'm looking this way a lot today, it's because if I go too quickly this way, you might hear me say, ow, really loud. So I'm just going to, you know, gaze back and forth. But I'm excited, guys, because I get to do this message this morning on guarding your heart. I think it's a really cool, I think it's a really cool graphic. And so guarding our hearts, guys, and I'm going to tell you this week I didn't do great at that. I didn't. When you're in pain, it just does something to you, right? Like it does something to you mentally, you know, physically, obviously, mentally, emotionally. Like I was crying on Wednesday because it hurt so bad. And I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Why is this happening? And, you know, it's still going on. And so you guys get me drugged up a little bit this morning. It's only extra strength Tylenol. I'm not going to fall asleep or do something crazy up here. (laughs) I didn't take any of those pills this morning to save you guys and myself. I don't want to be a meme. But I am excited for this message, guys, because this is something that's been on my heart. Um, I, like I said, literally have had to try and activate what it's like to guard my heart this week from looking everything up that could be wrong, from preparing myself of what they're going to tell me is wrong, for them to then tell me some spacing in my discs and my neck is there, and this whole thing of you're getting older and this kind of happens. It's kind of like arthritis. I'm like, no, that, no, uh uh-uh. I got too much life to go. But um, it's also something that I've been writing about. So I, the Lord has challenged me to write a devotional. And in this devotional, this message is actually in there. So you guys kind of get the preview uh, or like a little bit of a head start of what's going to be in this devotional book that I'm writing. And I get to preach it to you guys because this is something that I had to learn how to do, still learning how to do it and how to activate it fully. I had to learn how to do this in a season where I felt stuck. And a lot of us can get in those seasons where you feel stuck, where you feel like I'm just running into a brick wall constantly. And I believe that When we are understanding how to guard our hearts and what that looks like, we are able to get past that brick wall. You might hit it a few times, and then you get that check in your spirit that's like, oh, yeah, there's things I can do to get past this. And that's what I believe this is about this morning. Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart also will be also. This is a very telling scripture, I believe, because It's very true, and you can see it in other people's lives. And if you actually look in the mirror, you can see it in your own life. But a lot of times, we don't want to look in the mirror and see where our heart is actually at. We just want to pass the judgment on everybody else because it's very evident often. And so it's very true that where your treasure is, there your heart is. And so it's very important for us as believers um, and just as humans to know where our heart is at, to know how to guard our heart from the things that are going to come against us, that are going to challenge us, that are going to try and bring us to a spot of feeling like we are defeated. And so I just think it's important. All right, we're going to jump now to 
Proverbs 4.23, and this is the verse that led me into um, breaking down this whole message of understanding how do you guard your heart. And obviously, it takes intentionality. We have to be intentional because often we say, well, if anything takes work, then that's not of God. Like, it's not about works to do what God wants us to do. But, but faith without works is dead, right? And so sometimes we do have to be intentional about what we do, how we do it, so that we're able to get through this life. Because we're not promised to, it's going to be easy, right? There's no promise that's going to be easy. It's not going to be hard. And you're not going to have things that come up that challenge you. But how we walk through it is what's so important. Proverbs 4.23, it says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. You see, the longer I live, and I know I am only 40. Some of you guys are much older and wiser and beautifuler and all the things that come with aging than I am. But as I get older, I believe I, uh, I'm, I'm seeing and I'm learning that life has an effect on us. It just does. And when it affects us, it affects the people around us. And so the intentionality is, is something we have to be purposed about. When we get hit with hard things and we don't practice guarding our hearts, this is really hard to sit down, y'all. I'm trying here. I'm trying to sit. When we, when we get hit with hard things and we aren't practicing guarding our hearts, it is a visible thing. It's not only, it's, it is often visible to others before it's visible to us. Because like I said, we don't like looking in the mirror and saying, God, where am I, like, where am I not working this, this faith at? Where am I not guarding my heart? Where am I missing it? No one wants to ask God, where am I missing it at, right? Y'all are quiet. Y'all, just be real. You don't want to ask God where you're missing it at, right? Because then that means you have to be accountable and you have to be intentional. I'm getting up. I can't sit still. You have to be intentional. So we should get used to practicing these steps on how to guard our hearts. Not when all hell breaks loose in our life, but when it's kind of calm. Because believe me, I've tried it when all hell breaks loose and you're kind of like spinning in circles like, why don't I know what to do? Why am I feeling this way? Why are my insides shaking? Why is my body having these responses? Why am I crying all the time? Why am I feel so defeated? Because we haven't practiced what it looks like when we're in a calm season. I remember back in the day, and like I said, I'm not that old, we used to do like counseling for couples, which, pff, why? Why would anyone put us in charge of doing counseling for couples when we are like 20 and 30? Like, what in the world? <laughs> I'm like, girl, you didn't know nothing. But what would happen is we would end up talking with couples in crisis moments. And then when things were good, they weren't applying the things and the tools that are there. We don't do it sometimes. I'm not saying we've got it all figured out now either. We don't do it sometimes. But it's in the good moments when you start using those tools of communication and active listening and, and being available and serving each other and loving one another. It's in the good moments where you practice those things so that in the bad moments when all hell breaks loose, you're able to say, I'm going to love you through this. I'm going to listen to you actively and I will respond to you so that you understand I heard you. It's when we are not in a tense season is where we're supposed to practice these things because then it becomes natural. It's like when they say, if you, it says practice makes perfect, but it's not practice makes perfect. It's practice makes things permanent, right? 
And so your natural instinct will go back to, I need to guard my heart. Not put walls up. I need to guard my heart. You see, how we travel this journey called life will be directed by our heart. It will be directed by our heart. It will, we will see how we walk through every valley season and how we live our life on the mountaintops will reveal our heart. I want my heart to reveal God in the trenches, and I want my heart to reveal God when I'm on the top and praising him for everything that I see he's done in all of his faithfulness. But in the trenches, I want to be praising him for his faithfulness as well. Some of us may feel like, no, that's not me. That's not me. I don't need to guard my heart because my heart's tough. Have anybody been there? I've been there where I'm like, my heart is tough. Ain't nothing you're going to do going to hurt me. It's not going to push me into a bad position for myself. And I thought that. But that was a coping mechanism. That was what I, what I did to guard and build walls up and push people out and not allow God's grace and his peace and his rest to live in me. Because God lives in us, but the activation part, the part of walking that out is up to us. It's up to us. Are we going to allow that peace to be activated? You see, Ephesians 6, 10 through 17 it says, make sure it's up there for you guys. I might, did I give that one to you? Hopefully I did. Nope, didn't. It's all good. You guys have a Bible, right? You're big boys and girls. <laughs> we said I was going to bring the rocker up here and just sit in the rocking chair and do story time, basically. <laughs> so that's why I just used that illustration. <laughs> okay, it's 10 through 17. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing. I want to still be standing. I want to stand. I don't want to be on the ground when the battle's done. I want to say, you know what? I activated what I'm supposed to activate to be standing. It might look all crazy to everybody else, and people will ask you, how are you doing this? And the only answer you will have is God. Because it's not about what we're able to do on our own. That's, that's us boasting when we get to that spot. But it's about God. I should be on the ground, but I'm not. I should be defeated, but I'm not. I want to be standing firm. Verse 14, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth in the body armor of God's righteousness. Some translations say the breastplate of righteousness. For shoes, put on peace that comes from good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is God's word. The breastplate of righteousness is what we get to wear, guys. That's what is going to protect our hearts in these seasons. That's what's going to be there to help guide us into how to guard our heart. Because it's protected, but we got to do the work of guarding it. 
And I believe it's important to guard our hearts because I want you to, I want you to hear something. The heart represents our feelings. It represents our mind, our intellect, the center of our reasoning and thoughts. So essentially, our heart is the center of everything, right? It is the center of everything. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Real quick, jump to Psalms 51, 10. It says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. You see, these verses show me that, yes, I may have a hardened heart. and Some of us may be in that place. I may have a hardened heart to this life in the world around me. But God, always, it's always but God, because God's able to do things that we may not understand, things that we can't actually see. But God is able to give me a clean heart. He is able to renew my heart if I'm willing to put in the work. If I'm willing to just say yes, he's able to. You see, the effort we must put in isn't effort to be accepted by God. I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. And you guys, if you've heard us preach any messages at any point ever, you know this is not about how much you have to do to be approved. This is you are approved, loved, and accepted. And because of that, you want your heart to be renewed. Because of that, you want to do what you've got to do to guard your heart from the things of this life. That's where it comes from, not works. I know we've all heard messages like this. I've heard it. I've probably preached it a lot where it's like, hey, this is what you're supposed to do. You should guard your heart. But if you're like me or you're like my kids, your question is how? How do I do that? Because guarding my heart, like for me, I would say that's just putting up walls. I'm going to put up these barriers and I'm going to keep you out. And that's me guarding my heart. But that's not it. That's not what God wants us to do. You see, it literally tells us in the following verses where, where we were at in Proverbs 4.23, it said uh, that we are to guard our hearts above all else because out of it flows all the things of our life, of, in our life. Yeah, the following verses literally tell us how to do it. Isn't that kind of crazy? <laughs> I thought it was because I'm like, man, I mean, I'm not patting myself on the back because this is totally all God, but I never heard it like this before. I've never heard it preached like this. It, this is all part of my a devotional that I'm writing. And I was like, God, I've never seen this before. Kim, you just didn't look. Um, you know, sometimes you just cherry pick verses, right? You cherry pick things and you're like, oh, that sounds great. Guard your heart, guys. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. And then God's like, hey, like, hey, slow down. Read a little bit past that. It actually tells you how to do it so you don't do it in your own strength. And then you don't put up walls and push people away. And you actually are able to love like God. You know, it's like, Kim, things are so obvious sometimes. All right, so we're going to start in Proverbs 4, 24 through 27. It says, avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech, which is graceless speech. Verse 25, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet and stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. So the very first thing that we're supposed to do 
and guarding our hearts is avoid all perverse talk and stay away from corrupt speech, which is graceless speech, guys. And so being aware of what we say and how we say it is an important thing, okay? It is very important. It's not just how we are talking to others, though that literally really does matter, but how are we talking to ourselves? You know, I know so many of us are quick to, to praise other people and lift them up, but then go home and look in the mirror and tear yourself down. It doesn't, that's not how this works. You don't get to say, I won't use perverse talk and corrupt speech on other people, but I'm going to go home and I'm going to tear myself down. No, because when we do that and we give everybody else the best of us, what are you missing out on? You're missing, right, the best of yourself. That's not what God wants. You see, this idea of avoiding perverse talk works great when you're on the mountaintop. But sometimes it doesn't work so good when you're sitting on 64 for an hour and a half in traffic when you're supposed to be somewhere an hour and a half ago or when you're sitting in a parking garage trying to get out from the top of the, the very top of the parking garage where there's no roof anymore and you're just sitting and you're like leaving a Christian concert and you're like, hmm, Christian people, drive your car right. Why can't Christians drive? It's easy to do on the mountaintop, guys. It's easy to do when you're like, God loves me, and I am in a good space. But, man, don't get hungry, angry, lonely, or tired because everything that comes out of your mouth may be represented in what this verse is telling us not to do. This is not just curse words, guys. This is not just curse words. You know, honesty again. Let me drink water first. This is about me, not you. Stay over there. The other part was about him. Now I'm going to tell you about me. <laughs> uh, okay. If you have had any type of counseling or you listened to any cool TED Talks about uh, stress and life or whatever, there's this thing called completing the stress cycle. It works so good, guys. If you're at home... Grab a pillow and scream into it if you're literally at that spot. But sometimes, Pastor, me, I've had to get in the car and drive. And I've had to drive all by myself and say words that no one else is needing to hear and no one, none of you guys will ever hear. And then I felt guilty. And the Lord said to me in my spirit ever so gently, I can handle you. Completing the stress cycle (laughs) is beneficial. But doing that with others can affect your witness to others. Okay? Corrupt speech, talking to others not gracefully can affect not only you, but the people around you. In guarding our hearts, we have to be willing to say, you know what, I'm going to avoid those conversations that I really shouldn't engage in anyways. I'm going to avoid the gossip, but man, it feels so good to talk about that person. Y'all, y'all are quiet. You know you do it. Just lift your feet up real quick. I'm going to just call it out. We all do it. We all do it. We all do it. And sometimes it feels good, but it's not what we're supposed to do. Because guess what? Guess what? This is another thing I've learned. If people are willing to talk to me about other people like that, 
then it's more than likely that they're going to talk to me or talk to other people about me like that. It's not okay. It's just not. This is not condemnation. Don't hear that at all. This is learning how to have graceful speech. Guards our hearts. It's in the Bible. I'm just saying. It helps us guard our hearts. Perverse talk can be broken down to mean stubbornly opposing what is right, responsible, and accepted. This reminds me of my kids sometimes, this, like the perverse talk thing, how they try and push their boundaries. They'll sometimes walk in and say things like a song will be going, and because the song has a word in it, they kind of say it. But it's in the song, Mom. And you're like, yeah, but we really shouldn't say that. I really don't want to hear you say that. You know, they push the boundaries to see what can we actually get away with. That's what we do. We're like, how far can I go, God? <laughs> Just how much can I actually say? <laughs> It's funny. I love how at the end of the verse says stay away from corrupt speech, which is meaning graceless speech. When we use that as a red flag, when we are communicating with ourselves and others, I bet you, if you allow this to be a red flag in your life, I bet you you will save yourself from a lot of arguments. You will save yourself from a lot of broken relationships. And you will save yourself from defeating yourself with your own words. Guarding our hearts is important. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is, what is good for nece- necessary edification, that it may impact, sorry, I can't read this morning, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Colossians 4.6 says, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each other. This ain't easy. I'm just telling you, it's not easy. I already told you. I already let it out the bag. 64 can, can, can mess with you, and, and your kids sometimes can mess with you, and life just messes with you. But knowing that we are fully capable because we have a God who has given us all the tools to be able to do this, pretty amazing. <coughs> Sorry. We're going to move on now. Um, Actually, I want to share this prayer. I found this prayer. It's a prayer that we can pray over ourselves if this is something. If we have a hard time having graceful speech, just pray this prayer over yourselves, okay? I love love Psalms. Psalms 141.3. I'm not sure if I gave this either. I did. It says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Sometimes we just we just literally need to cover our mouth. Set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Just start praying that daily, okay? Because I know we all need it. We're all here after 2020, period. Just pray that over your life. It's real. (laughs) All right, back to Proverbs 4. 24 through 27. We're going to hit on verse 25 real quick. It says, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. This is the second thing we're supposed to do in guarding our hearts. This is a challenge for me. All of these are a challenge for me. That's why I wrote about it. (laughs) I know all the right things to do, guys. Sometimes it's a challenge to do them. You have probably heard the statement before and in messages or whatever that the rearview mirror is smaller for a reason. And it's because what's behind us isn't as important as what's ahead. It's literally true. It is literally absolutely true. But for me, and maybe some of you, 
I'm kind of driving like this. I can't even hold the mic and do this. I'm like this, like grabbing that rearview mirror and like putting it right at my face so I can see like what's back there, God? What's back there? Why? How? When? Why did this happen? What did this happen for? When is this going to end? These are all the things that we do when we don't have our focus forward. When we are not looking straight ahead, we're looking back, trying to figure out why, when, how, what, all of the questions that sometimes you will get answers for, but you get them in the future. You get the answers as you travel life and as you grow and as you heal and as you recover. That's when you get those answers. So looking back isn't going to fix the problems. Looking back is not going to make you feel better. I'm not saying don't deal with the past. You know, everybody knows I'm an advocate. If you need to get help, get help. If you need to heal from past situations, heal from them. Don't suppress them because they always come back up, period. It always comes back. But how do we deal with things but still look forward? Because the mirror in front or the window in front of us is big for a reason. When you're driving your car, not me this week, I almost got an accident because I couldn't move. I was like, I can't see. It's bigger. Maybe that's, that's so funny. I'm like, huh, I couldn't see behind me. I'm not saying God did this at all, believe me. I'm saying it's a learning lesson for me because I can't look back and God's like, just remember that, Kim. <laughs> Keep looking forward. You're going forward. But I can't see what's behind me. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Looking ahead, having our eyes fixed on the things that are ahead and what lies before us. I see this as a step in guarding our hearts as a place, uh, <clears throat> a place of us taking responsibility, a responsibility of our thoughts and of our actions and putting our focus forward on what's to come. Because it's so easy to look in the rearview mirror. It's so easy to try and figure all this stuff out and then just get stuck where you are at. But God's wanting us to move forward. He's saying, I want you to guard your heart. I want you to be aware of what you're saying to others, what you're saying to yourself. I want you to look ahead, not what lies behind you, but what lies in your future. Because I'm about to jump ahead of myself. Where's it at? I, I can't do there yet. Yeah, I can. Jeremiah 29 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you. They are good. I don't remember the rest of them real quick. I got to go there now. <laughs> Thoughts that I think of toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. If all we do is look back, you're not going to see your future. If all you do is look back, you are going to feel hopeless at times. It's in the front. It's in front of us that we're going to be moving forward. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. I love this verse because this was my verse since I was a teenage girl going on a missions trip and, and speaking to teenagers in this big auditorium area. This is the verse the Lord gave me for my, my own life in that season. It says, not that I have already obtained, attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I, that I may lay a hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid a hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward, upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's so good. That is so good. I think about the story of Peter. 
of Peter getting out of the boat. You see, when they were in, this is all in Matthew 14, if you want to go look it up later. But when Peter and all the other disciples saw Jesus walking on the water, first off, we would all be terrified if we saw Jesus walking on the water. So don't judge them. But they were terrified. And, and Jesus tells them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And Peter responds to, to, God, or to Jesus like this. He says, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come to you on the water. How many of us would say that to Jesus in like real life? I'm not going to ask Jesus to tell me to walk on water. I'm going to say, come get in the boat, Jesus. <laughs> come to safety. <laughs> and, and Peter's like, hey, just call me out on the water with you. <sighs> My faith. And I think that's a bold move because it takes courage. It takes courage for us not to hold so tightly to that rearview mirror and look through your front windshield and move forward past tragic situations or things that terrify you. And Peter, he stepped out of the boat and he walked on water, right? Everybody knows this story. I mean, if not, there it is. He walked on water with Jesus. And then... Something happened. He saw the winds, which I don't know how you see the winds, but the water was probably like waving up beside him. And he's seeing all of this craziness going on around him. And what does he do? He takes his eyes off of Jesus. He's no longer fixed on what's ahead, but he sees all of all the things that are around him. And he begins to sink, right? But what does Jesus do? He pulls him back up because Jesus knows that that's probably what a lot of us are going to do. So I'm going to throw this illustration in there in these scriptures so you understand. I know you may look away from me at times in your life when all craziness is going on, but I still got you. I'm still going to pull you up. I'm still going to be walking with you. I'm still going to remind you how loved you are because that's how good our God is. But we get to, we got to, we have to keep our focus on him. That helps keep us in the right place. And guess what? That's us activating the courage that's already been deposited in us by Christ. That's us activating that. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things. Let it go. Like Elsa sings, let it go. I can't sing. I can't even do it for y'all. Y'all be terrified. Just let it go, guys. Let it go and press forward. And we can trust that what is ahead of us will be worth keeping our focus on him. It will be worth it because of Jeremiah 29, 11. That's where it's supposed to go in this, in this uh, message. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of, of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God wants us succeeding. I'm going to keep going quickly here, y'all. Verse 26 of Proverbs 4 says, Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. So that's the third thing that we're supposed to do. We need a plan. We need a plan. We need, mar- we need to be marking out a straight path so that we don't get tripped up. That doesn't mean trying to have it all figured out, Kim. That doesn't mean holding on to everything with such tight grip that when God says go left, you're like, mm-mm, this is in my plan, God. No, it means mark things out. Be aware of where you're going. And where, where it talks about um, 
stay on the safe path. Often I've always thought, well, being, being like Christ isn't a safe path. And what does that really even mean? Stay on the safe path. And I think it, it, it's more about if, if we don't have a plan, the distractions that take us away may take us in a kind of like a detour where we may end up where we're supposed to be, but just not at the right timing. And so I don't want to keep detour. I've detoured a lot in my life, y'all. I don't want to keep detouring. It's like all those little red detour signs. We were on the interstate last night. I was like, De- detour here, detour there. And it's kind of like you don't really know where you're going at that point. Mark out a straight path for your feet and stay on the safe path. When we're heading somewhere, it's important for us to know where we're supposed to turn, right? Like that's just in the natural, you know that. So being in tune with the spirit to know where you're supposed to turn, when you're supposed to go this direction or that direction is important for us. Psalm 1611 says, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasure of living with you forever. He will show us. He will show us the way of life. And we get to do it all while being in his presence. How good is that? It's not like he's like, I'm going to show you where to go, and then I'll meet you at the end. He's like, I'm going to show you, and I'm going to walk with you, and I'm going to be with you. Remembering um, that all of this is about guarding our hearts. And so much of our thoughts control our actions, and our actions determine the paths we take that will impact our hearts. It's so important. The safe path, I can't even say that right this morning. The safe path is another one of those that, that doesn't mean that uh, you won't face hard things. It doesn't. I, I wish I could tell you. <laughs> I wish I could tell you it would. But how we talk about the hard things matters because we hear ourselves talking. Um, it also matters of how we talk about stubborn people in our lives. <laughs> Where we put our focus will impact what path we're on. It just is. All right, verse 27. We're going to be uh, getting ready to rein this in here shortly. You don't have to come up yet, though. Verse 27 says, don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Don't get sidetracked. I'm a big procrastinator, y'all. Are you saying that for yourself? Because he just said it because he's like, uh-huh, I agree with her. She's such a procrastinator. I can't even look at you, like, really hard. I got to, like, go like that. <laughs> I'm a big procrastinator. <laughs> I got a bit of research this week. I thought it was pretty interesting and kind of like, man, this ain't fair. Did y'all know in recent studies the average attention span of a human being right now is eight point two five seconds not minutes y'all 8.25 seconds you want to know the average attention span of a goldfish nine seconds it is being shown that a goldfish can focus longer than we can that's not okay that's why we have a hard time not getting sidetracked Not being able to keep our feet from following evil is because that 8.25 is hitting average almost, what, like over half of this room. So you're like, "Mm, squirrel, 
God told me to do this. Oh, but I got to go do this and this and this. I know. I procrastinate, y'all. God told me in January, or sorry, God told me in December, get off Facebook, get off Instagram. Stop. I have something I need to tell you. You need to be doing something. It didn't happen until January 1st, a month. I argued with God and just was like, I'm not listening. I do not. Mm -mm." So I got off in January, and God, like, like all this stuff hit. And I was like, oh, oh, my. And then you want to know what I did? I didn't stay focused. I had that 8.25 second time span thought process. I started writing this devotion that the Lord laid on my heart. And it was like, I mean, I go back and read it now. And I'm like, I don't even know how that happened. (laughs) That was all God. And then I got distracted. I got sidetracked. Not for just a week or two weeks. I would love to say that. More like a month. More like a month. And it wasn't because I was on social media, because I still honored that. I was like, I live a lot less stressful not watching everybody else's fake life going on. I feel way better. Somebody posted a picture of, like, everybody's Instagram filters, and they're like, it was like this, like, perfect-looking face, and then the reality, and I was like, that's so funny, because that's what social media does. And then it distracts us, and it sidetracks us, and guess what it does? It leads your feet to follow evil things at times. Not always, but at times. Matthew 6, 33 says, seek first, or seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. You see, we must first seek. We have to, because that will help us put our attention on Christ, and not only our attention on Christ, but the things that come out of our mouth will be gratitude. We will be giving God praise. I heard another thing that that they've done a study on, that that, um, the two things in your brain that can't function at the same time is anxiety and gratitude. Anxiety and gratitude cannot stay within your brain at the same time. So we need to start giving God praise and start being thankful for things. When you feel yourself being sidetracked and getting anxious about life and what's to come, because that's where I was at when I was trying to be distracted by all these things. I think about, um, this is funny. This is going to show my age and some of y'all know. Back in the day, when you would go online onto some website, there would be these like pop-ups that constantly popped up and they were trying to distract you to lead you to go buy their product or click on this thing or this. And now they're called ads. But back then it was like you had to hit X. But guess what it took to not click that ad to go see about whatever microwavable thing or new, new wave oven thing that came out or whatever inappropriate thing that was showing up on your screen. Because that's real. That's what was happening. That still happens. It took intentionality to not click the button, right? It's, it's, it's not getting sidetracked by the things in life. Now we've got Instagram and TikTok and Twitter and whatever else is out there. I don't even know. I'm so feeling old and I don't even know how to work half of those. And you get on there and you're sitting and all you're doing is scrolling, And you're scrolling, and you're scrolling, and God's like, hey, don't forget, you're supposed to do this thing today, and you're scrolling. And then you look at the clock, and you're like, oh, man, it's like 3.30, and my kids get out of school at 3.45, 3.50. I don't have time to go do the thing I was supposed to do. I'll do it tomorrow. And that becomes a cycle. And those are all things that will sidetrack us. And sometimes it's not even social media. Sometimes it's emails. Did you? I, I have all these statistics. The amount of times people click on their email in one hour is outrageous. To check your average person checking your email, I don't have the number. But it's outrageous because we are constantly having to do something in our lives because our attention spans have become kind of distractible. 
that we, we get to bring it back in. We have the power to do that. We have the power to bring in our focus, to keep our mind focused and centered on Christ. As I'm wrapping up, I think of this next verse, and I want to land here today. It's Philippians 4, 8. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good or of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, worthy, meditate on those things. You see, in order to avoid perverse talk and corrupt speech, to look ahead and fix our eyes on what lies before us, to, to mark out a straight path for our feet, to stay on a safe path, to not get sidetracked, and to keep our feet from following evil, it starts with seeking him. And it also starts with giving praise and thanksgiving because that's how we're able to walk these four steps out and guarding our heart because it matters. It determines the pathway of our life. So I challenge you this week to to just sit with the Lord at some point and ask him through the, the, the verses there in Philippians 4. You can do 4, 23 through 27. Look them up, meditate on them, and just ask the Lord, where do I need to, to activate some, some uh, whatever, whatever it is, faith? Where do I need to activate that prayer of keeping my mouth closed when I'm not speaking the way I need to be speaking? Where do I need to allow the distractions of life to be just put aside? What do I need to put aside so I'm not so distracted? So I challenge you to do that this week. I'm going to pray as we close in a time of worship. God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that you are faithful and just, and you are able to give us a new heart that's able to walk, walk with you, hear from you, and be guided by you. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.